who needs to hear this right now, but I'm seriously over this grandma killer argument when it comes to COVID. Snap a Rooney. You guys are like, oh my God, girlfriends, you are coming out of the gate, guns blazing and swinging today. You might be wondering, how does this conversation pertain to what you do, right? To media, et cetera. I'm going to get there, my little ladybugs. So you just sit tight. But I really want to talk about this sacrifice debate. And this is a little bit of a follow-up to my last episode I had with the two LA restaurateurs on, because I got to say it, they really kept honing in and drilling in on that people are selfish assholes argument. And that's why we're in this situation, right? I can understand where they're coming from. I know how annoying it is to see a Karen in your local Walmart, pull down her mask and purposefully spit in your pupils so obnoxious or when you see those kids on spring break like doing cartwheels on top of each other and like doing shots yeah i know also so annoying like i'm not going to any spring break parties that's just me but 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 i like big butts and i cannot lie here's the situation we have turned this sacrifice argument into such polarizing views shocking i know new news to you in 2020 right It leaves no room for nuance though. And that's why I have to be honest with you. I can't get behind it. I cannot get behind the everyone is a selfish asshole grandma killer argument. And here's why. No one ever talks about the sacrifice on the other end. You know, I said this in my last episode. When I say having to shut down a business that you took maybe decades to build, Isn't that like losing a life? It's losing a livelihood. Now, I don't mean that literally. I'm not numb nuts. I know that a business doesn't equate to a human life. But with that said, when you say people are selfish assholes, first of all, it puts everybody in one bucket. And it also kind of villainizes people who are trying to go on with their lives without actually acknowledging how those lives are being completely ruined and destroyed. It's not just like starting doing a little startup on an app, right? With like your hipster friends and tight jeans and a beanie in Silicon Valley. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people whose lives are being ruined maybe forever. They're losing their employees, their income, running out of unemployment, losing their homes, depressed, suicide rates are off the charts. The poverty is going to be insane. Kids are depressed because they can't go to school. And the repercussions of this could last for a lifetime. But we've made it so that it's, oh, well, the righteous thing and the only right thing to do is to stay home. Otherwise, you're a big fat dickwad dismissing those other hardships because they're not as important and they don't matter. They do matter. Leaves no room for that nuance or for anyone to understand that maybe, yes, maybe the cure is becoming worse than the disease at this point. And if it's controversial for me to say that, then so be it. But I know a lot of you are thinking it. Do you know who is thinking it? Is this boss ass bitch from where I lived in California in Sherman Oaks, Angela Marsden. You probably saw Angela's video. It went viral because she posted nearly in tears outside of her restaurant, Pineapple Hill Saloon, I believe it's called. It was actually like a stone's throw from my place. And next to In-N-Out, for those of you who know what's up. 
I got on the in and out train like later in my time in LA, but I finally got on it nonetheless. But she does a video where she is nearly sobbing, mostly talking to, you know, my fave man, my fave man with a plan, uh, Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti. And she basically says, how is this not okay? Because no more outdoor dining is allowed in LA. How is this not okay when I spent all of this money to make my establishment safe? And she shows a, a video of her place. And then she goes across, across the way, a couple feet, a couple tailors lined up. I'm only five one, so you do the math. And she says, this is okay. And it's a catering setup for, which I'm going to explain in a second, for an NBC series. And she is in tears. And she's saying, I'm losing everything. This is destroying everything. Now that she's gone viral and blown up, I've been watching her interviews and it's, you can't not cry watching this lady. She talks about how kind of what I just said, how the, the devastation of this, how this is just demolishing the community, a new hire. She had, who's now sleeping on a couch, who she had to let go a single mom, who was her employee, who has a nine-year-old. She talks about people she knows who have already committed suicide the depression, the repercussions of this that no one is talking about. And that's what I want to say. Like, why don't people have the common sense to talk about all of these things that could potentially be destroying lives forever? Now, this is what it brings you back, right? To the tailor, you're even selfish for saying this. How could you say that? Of course, a business and losing a business is not the same as losing a life. Of course. But again, no one is acknowledging the complete destruction that this is doing on millions. I'm talking millions and millions and millions of lives, maybe forever across the country. And she even says, at this point, the cure is becoming worse than the disease. And if you are vulnerable, then stay home if you don't feel safe. We're doing everything we can over here to be safe. But this is really getting, is it past the point of no return? And let me tell you, I had someone say to me, because I was, I've been super vocal about this, you know, I'm back in the tri-state. And by the way, I'm lucky to be back here after I lost work in LA months ago. I'm lucky to be back here with my parents, my besties, but other people don't have that luxury. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that position, running out of unemployment, unable to pay your mortgage, your rent, feed your kids? No one's talking about this Barely. I had someone say to me because I posted a video of another boss ass bitch in Staten Island. I talked about this too in my last episode, the Max public house owner who was defying the restriction rules as well, because it was a similar situation. He was like, wait, how come I have to close down and bars just a couple blocks down can still operate? Are these rules even making sense? There were hundreds of people protesting in, in his defense. And this lady was up on like a podium with a megaphone. And she's like, I've lost everything. We know you're hurting. We know you're hurting. And I posted it on my story being like, okay, boss ass bitch, we see you, right? And I had someone write me and they said, I bet you wouldn't feel this way if you weren't young and healthy. That's what I don't like about this. Everyone is a selfish asshole argument because again, it puts everybody in one camp, in one false label. I have a dad with an autoimmune condition. I have grandparents in their 80s who I'm not going to see for the first time these holidays since I was like, since conception, since I was a fetus. And let me tell you, they're both living their lives way more than I am. I'm not even kidding. My dad is out working in the public every day. My grandparents go on their bike rides every day. I call my grandma last night for her 82nd birthday. And she's like, 
She's with her friends playing Canasta. She's like, I told my family that I was playing cards tonight. Like, can't be bothered. I'm like, this lady is living her as more of a social life than I do. Like the only person I talk to is this pet. And look, I'm blessed that I have family who are still vulnerable, but are in good spirits and are in good enough condition to do those kinds of things, right? I understand. I have friends who themselves have underlying conditions or are living with a parent who has one. And I understand that horror. And I understand that this is killing millions of people. I'm not overlooking that. And I'm not overlooking the fact that it spreads like wildfire. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have a cure. You don't know how it's going to affect your body. But what I don't like is how it's become the only right thing to do is to stay home. And everything else is not only not allowed, but looked down upon and labeled as selfish. As if it's just like, oh, stay home and sit pretty and collect unemployment, eat popcorn and watch Gilmore Girls on repeat. No, that's not the sitch. And the mental toll of this, holy shit, raise your hand if you're going fucking batty. Exactly. That's why even my grandparents are playing cards with their friends and going on bicycle rides. It's like people can only do so much. And that's what I hate about this. Like, oh, just stay home and and suck it up. Come on. If you don't, then you're just selfish. It's like you can only ask people to do so much. And that's what gets under my skin is that it can't even be discussed. Get a load of this. My friend who you have to check out his show. I put it up on my story from time to time, but it's called Rob Nelson Live. And it's friggin' amazing. He has his biggest audience on Reddit. And in one episode, he was talking about the effectiveness of lockdowns and questioning if they are really effective. And by the way, we, we don't even know it's proving to be that they're not, but midway through his stream, as soon as he said that Reddit pulled his stream and said that he was going against the community guidelines. And it's like, seriously, Because he was asking a question we all have on our minds. It's like, you can't even have the dialogue. And that is what's scary. That's honestly why I'm afraid to do these as Instagram lives because they'll pull my stream. I saw this really striking post the other day on Instagram. And this is what it looks like. Can you guys see that for the, oh, sorry. I'm not talking to Mike. For those of you guys listening and not watching. Oh God, there's two of me. That's a lot of Taylor. Hi. It says all jobs are essential. That's what the whole post says. And then here's what she writes. So this is a photographer based in LA. She says, I try not to get political on here. I stand with the restaurant industry, the beauty industry, all small businesses. When I say stay open and resist these impractical lockdown orders. And here's what she says, which I thought was so striking. She says, on top of being a photographer, I've also been in home healthcare for 12 and a half years. I have a severely disabled daughter who has required quarantine and extreme sanitary measures her whole life. I have been sanitizing and washing my hands for 20 seconds each time long before this all started. She is compromised. Therefore she stays home. I would never advocate that the rest of the state lose their livelihoods for that reason. Your governor is dining out, getting personal care, and his business remains open. That's a sidebar. You know, that whole sitch. We talked about that in the last episode. Newsom, suck a dick. Uh, Do your part, but think for yourself, she writes. Wow. Right? I have a severely disabled, compromised daughter. And we wouldn't ask people to sacrifice and destroy everything in hopes of keeping her safe. We'll do our part and hope you do the same, but it doesn't have to be this extreme. I mean, wow. And you would think that vulnerability and that honesty, it's not the favorable, it's not the popular opinion, 
But how do you argue that? I mean, I saw videos of people protesting in LA, all these restaurant owners, and they had signs that were like, our kids matter, our jobs matter, every job is essential. And this is not a dig at all on healthcare workers. I can't even imagine the personal hell that you guys have been through. But it's like, are all of those people selfish asshole grandma killers because they need to feed their kids? Angela Marsden, the owner of the Pineapple Saloon in Sherman Oaks, she started a GoFundMe and they raised the 10K, which is awesome. And Maria Shriver even posted her story, which you know people are impacted by this and thinking about this, but it's almost like you can't, again, it's like you can't like say this because it makes you a bad person despite all the horror on the other side. And she said that trying to keep up her business before these shutdowns and trying to still pay her employees until the very last second, she was spending $30,000 a month. Can you imagine 30,000 just to keep her employees' lives afloat? And this is, by the way, why I am so passionate about this and about these LA, specifically these LA entrepreneurs, because I am and was one. And obviously, you know, my life was dismantled and now I'm here back in the tri-state, but I'm saying like it hits close to home. I really built a career there and I understand it. I understand the culture and that, that hustle. Now, this is where it comes down to the media who's perpetuated this divide. NBC covered the story and they got flack because the New York Times reported that the show that was set up, the catering company that was set up across from Angela's restaurant that was allowed to be open for people to eat was for the NBC sitcom, Good Girls. And here's what's interesting. NBC on their Sunday show covered the story. It was like in a little package and it showed Angela crying in tears in her video but it only, it, it edited it very carefully. So it only showed her crying saying, I can't stay open. I'm losing everything. But it never showed her panning over to the NBC's show setup. And then it never acknowledged that it was for an NBC show. And then on top of it, here's what the anchor said. And I quote, hold on, I got to find it in my notes. Businesses and livelihoods hit hard. But toughest of all is losing loved ones. This just exemplifies what I'm saying. It's like, oh yeah, that sucks. You know, you're losing everything, but this is harder. Of course, death is terrible. We don't want to see anybody suffering. I've lost loved ones, some in tragic, tragic ways. I've watched some of them pass. I know how horrifying it is. But to compare the two and say that this loss and sacrifice is less than this, that just perpetuates the mindset. That's like, suck it up, suck it up. Your problem isn't as important as this, despite the fact that your whole life is getting destroyed. And keep in mind that we are going to these lengths to protect a very small and vulnerable part of the population. And I'm not saying that again, to dismiss it or downplay it but that's where they're losing the context. But here is what is interesting because NBC not only perpetuated this narrative, but they didn't acknowledge that it was their own show. NBC4, which is the LA affiliate, did. They did. They said this was an NBC show for good girls, this setup. And you know what's even more interesting is that the NBC4 reporting was the day before the national Sunday show. So it's not like the Sunday show who purposefully left that out, didn't know. And look, calling out networks for me is a little sketch. It's a sketchy move. I insinuated something about a big studio last week 
And I got a, got a little slap on the wrist. And I want to say, too, that as a reporter, NBC has been lovely to me. They've treated me like Queen Elizabeth on Sunday Tea Day. I used to cover America's Got Talent every single week at the Dolby Theater, which is where the Oscars are. It's right on Hollywood Boulevard. And short of having basically like cucumbers on my eyes and a mani-pedi, it was a beautiful experience. You would show up and during the show, they would have a buffet. Every single week, it would be different. Sometimes it would be Mexican. Sometimes it'd be Italian, a little bread basket. And I would sit and enjoy, watch the show. And then afterwards, interview the cast. I would bond with Julian Huff about the whole Brooke shit when that shit went down. I became besties with Simon Cowell, not even exaggerating. I've talked about this before in earlier episodes, but also like Simon Lowkey is the coolest man you never knew you loved. I've also covered The Voice for NBC. One time, actually, I went to The Voice. It was the first time Gwen Stefani was on it, and her parents were sitting right next to me in the audience, and it was really a cool experience. I was, like, on the studio lot, very romantical, and her parents literally looked like Lumberjack, Joe, and Jane. And I was like, I fully appreciate this, because who would know that you had a rock star with studded heels come out of your pussy? Like, they literally had, like, flannels, mom shoes, dad sneakers, baggy pants, like mom butt pants, you know? Oh my God, it was everything. I died. I even remember one time I covered a voice Q&A and NBC whined and dined my ass. They had mini lobster rolls, you guys. Say it again, mini lobster rolls. I know, it was killer. So with that said, I'm not going to play it like the fake news and only show one narrative. I can acknowledge when someone's doing me dirty and when someone's doing me right. I doubt after this, I'll be at the top of their list to be in line for lobster rolls, but it really makes you think, right? These narratives that the media is perpetuating to make you feel like a dickwad if you so much as want to keep your business afloat, as if it's not as substantial as the other sacrifice. And while we're on this subject of the media, I want to talk about how selective the media is when it comes to covering COVID. Do you notice? Why don't we ever hear, first off about this side, all we ever hear are the blanket statements, right? Like open the economy, more buzzwords, shutting down business. It doesn't get into the nitty gritty of how fucked up people's lives are getting and how they can't survive. But also why does no one ever hear about mental health? Where's Waldo? because no one ever talks about it. I mean, I remember the most prominent pieces, probably I think the Atlantic did one in like May about where we're at with mental health. The New York Times just did one about teens and how they're suffering without being in school and, you know, bringing a flask to prom, essential in a teenager's life. Yes, sex in a limo, perhaps. And I think there was one other New York Times piece about mental health, like a couple months back, maybe in like August. That's it. Basically, from what I've seen, like is mental health just going to be another buzzy woke topic that comes and goes because if you guys remember before COVID mental health we heard about it a lot we heard mental health matters depression awareness anxiety awareness they were like really buzzy right celebs were starting to talk about it and now suddenly it's gone with the wind I know I'm struggling I know I'm making light of it right now but my gosh, it is my numbing. The monotony every day of being like, okay, honestly, I feel like I'm in a Twilight Zone episode and not in a cute way. It's getting a little freaky, freaky deaky. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I struggle from this almost daily. It is tough. 
honestly, I have days where I'm like, what is the point? I know that sounds dark, but it's true. When you have nowhere to go, no one to see, no way to apply your mind, you go mental. I saw one of the prominent restaurant owners in LA who a lot of celeb chefs follow. She was being vocal about this and she made a great point. She said, people want in capitals want to work. And that is so crucial. Yes, you can give people money. And I feel like this debate has come down to that, right? We need more money. That would certainly help lessen the blow and help for a little bit. But at the end of the day, you need that stimulation. You need that purpose. Why else get out of bed? I've seen people argue, and I can't stand this argument, that Americans are so entitled and self-absorbed and tied to their work, and that's all that matters, and they can't pay the price for you know the greater cause. And for this very reason alone, I cannot stand that argument. It's like, what do you expect people to do? People need that reason to get out of bed. And let me tell you, it is not easy. Angela Marsden even said one of her employees that she had to let go. I believe that it was the single mom with the nine-year-old son. She said that the employee is now depressed and has to go on antidepressants. And Angela said, you don't need drugs. You need a job. How powerful is that? And it's completely true. And I don't want to depress you, but I know that this is something that you guys are thinking about and talking about. And it's almost like if we bring this up, are we bad people? If you bring up other repercussions such as mental health, again, does it weigh against, well, it's not the same as a death. Well, it's not the same again. Guess what? People are going to be dying of suicide. Did you guys hear this in Japan in one month? In one month, more people, mostly women, passed away of suicide than of COVID this entire time. Just let that sink in. Why isn't anyone talking about this? Why? There are also, I saw some studies in the UK about how they're doing on mental health and the CDC has a little bit of info, but nothing really. And I'm like, this should be like a top notch. What, what happened? A lot of people also put the argument out there that unless it happens to you, you don't care. Specifically, unless you know someone who's passed away from COVID, then it doesn't affect you or you don't care. But by that logic, I mean, you could say that about the reverse. You could say if you yourself haven't lost a job, if a loved one hasn't lost a job, a parent, um, or losing a family member or a child or somebody to suicide. Well, the same thing could be said about that. And it's funny because you know, this could even on the lighter side, I got a kick out of when people in LA were finally so uptight. Once their very last straw, the very last thing was the restaurants closing outside because like they were comfy, you know, living on unemployment, kicking back. And then it was like, oh, hell no. Now you take our only thing we had left restaurants. Oh, no, you don't. And it's like, right. Until something personally impacts you. I have felt this way about this from the very beginning. And when people were finally getting uptight, like, oh no, now you've gone too far. I'm like, join the club. Oh, now you see, right. So aside from the Karens, aside from the, you know, Key West spring breakers, we got to stop with the whole, everyone's a selfish asshole. seeing everyone in such a different light. Everyone is doing their best to survive. And the fact that the media chooses to only showcase one narrative as the right one and everything else is less than or diminished, that ain't right. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to be a little Mr. Rogers here on Cancel Me. This is a point of view that should not 
be canceled is acknowledging this other side, but try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, both ways, both ways. I can acknowledge and I can understand how infuriating it would be for someone with an underlying condition or whose loved one has an underlying condition. See these people twerking thongs on top of each other's earlobes in Miami. I can understand that. But then think about the other side that not everyone who is choosing to try to pick up the pieces and move on with their life is selfish. They're trying to survive. Let me know what you guys think. And NBC, if you're seeing this, sending my regards, no hard feelings that much. And um, feel free to send lobster rolls.